Welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. We're continuing our series about the book of Acts and the story of Methodism. The Methodist classes Wesley set up as part of his preaching tours were all about accountability. They were small gatherings of people who didn't treat faith as an aspect of their life, but as the goal and who wanted to intentionally grow into it. It was a discipline, which is where disciple comes from. We see the same in the early church in Acts. Everything those first disciples did was about dedication and intentionality, like being devoted to the apostles' teaching, worship, and breaking bread. It takes intentionality and devotion to make ourselves a part of God's story. Let's send it over to Pastor Matthias. Amen. Well, friends, this morning uh, for Mother's Day, we are continuing with our worship series that is building us up uh, to Pentecost when the Holy Spirit arrives and the church first began. Uh, Our series is uh, Acts, the method of our story. And the whole idea of the series is we've been taking a look at the history of the earliest church, the very first church in Jerusalem that we get glimpses of in the book of Acts. Uh, And at the same time, we've also been talking about the history of our tradition, talking a little bit about the history of Methodism, John Wesley, and uh, where our whole movement began. Uh, So far, we've talked about how the early church and Methodism both were, were very much about helping ordinary people find, I guess, a personal experience of faith, have a personal relationship with God. Uh, and helping people see the gospel story as their story uh, is something that's very real for us. And this morning, we're taking a look basically at one of the ways in which they did that. Uh, and our scripture passage is one of the one of the most famous, or certainly my favorite uh, little glimpse we get of the earliest church uh, from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, As they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, our Father, God, our Mother, Lord of life, once again we have gathered to hear words of new life and words of hope, and so once again only your words will do. So Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Whenever the prophets poets and priests who wrote the books of the Bible tried to find some kind of an image to help people understand God, to depict God for their readers, for all of us, 
they used all kinds of different metaphors and different visuals. All throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, you see God as our rock, as our fortress, a shepherd, a judge, a potter, a mountain, a shield, the list goes on and on. However, of all the different images that Scripture sometimes uses to depict God, few are more memorable, more powerful, or at times more controversial than the image of God as a devoted mother. That may actually be the image that we are maybe least familiar with, especially in kind of the Western world, in Europe and America. Historically, artists have imagined God as a big, strong, powerful man with a long, flowing white beard to show his wisdom. Just think about Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel, where God is almost depicted as an immense Italian patriarch laying on the clouds. We're all very familiar with the image of God our Father, but not as familiar with God our Mother. And yet, that image, that metaphor, is there in Scripture. Isaiah 42 describes God as a woman in childbirth. Psalms often imagines God as an eagle or a hen shielding us under her wings. Even Jesus in the New Testament says that he would love to gather people together as a mother hen gathers her chicks. And of all the different things that might have led the different, the different prophets and poets and scribes and priests to see that image of a mother as the perfect image for God, maybe the most important was the sense of devotion that that image carries. Almost every place where scripture uses the metaphor of God as a mother, it's to show God's dedication. God's commitment, God's devotion to us as God's children. There's Isaiah 49 when God says that as a mother can never forget her children, so God can never forget us. There's Isaiah 66 when God says as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. The metaphor the metaphor even gets a little bit intense in the book of Hosea when God says that like a she-bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and rip them open because even ancient Israelites understood you do not mess with mom on a bad day. <laughs> and that image, that image of God as a mother wasn't just about heredity or biology. Being a mother in scripture isn't just about having genetic children. And sometimes the person who is your mother isn't just the person who biologically gave you life. Motherhood, parenthood is a relationship that runs deeper than that. The kind of devotion that scripture sees in God and in mothers is about faithfulness. It's about love that is steadfast. As the great writer Washington Irving once put it, a mother is meant to be the truest friend we have when trials heavy and sudden fall upon us, when adversity takes the place of prosperity, when friends desert us, when trouble thickens around us, still she will cling to us and cause peace to return to our hearts. That's the idea that scripture is getting at. When the prophets, poets, and priests who wrote the Bible tried to depict God for their readers, they used all kinds of different 
images and different metaphors, but few are more striking than that of God as a mother whose devotion to us is without end. And when those same writers tried to depict what it looks like to follow God, to be a believer, they imagined devoted children. More than anything else, devotion may be the thing that most describes the earliest church that we see in the book of Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, Luke tells us, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the key word in that sentence, and that whole description that we just heard, is devoted. And the important thing to really understand about that verse is that when you hear the word devotion, whenever that comes up in Scripture, don't just think about commitment or attachment. Devotion isn't just about dedication, but in a deeper sense in Scripture, devotion is about time. The word that Scripture actually uses for devoted in that passage is proskartereo. That's a fun one. I won't make you say it. But proskartereo, it literally means to continue to continue steadfastly, to be constantly diligent to, to give oneself continually. That's the difference between dedication and devotion. You can be dedicated to something for a day or for a moment, but you can't be devoted to something unless you are in it for the long run. That's how the very first Christians practiced their faith. It was by finding different ways to commit to it constantly, intentionally, consistently over time. That's actually something that Luke, the author who wrote the book of Acts, it's something he emphasizes all throughout his description of the earliest church, not just there in chapter 2, but throughout the book, how the early believers continued to meet together in the temple courts every day, how they all joined constantly in prayer, and how the disciples give their full attention to prayer and ministry. Or the earliest church being a Christian wasn't about just professing faith that one day or going on that one mission trip or having felt Jesus that one time. Faith was about finding different ways to constantly, continually, consistently keep devoting yourself to God. That's the image that we get of the earliest church in Jerusalem. It is a small group of ordinary people who read scripture together, pray together, break bread together, encourage each other, and who, by striving to devote themselves to faith, were striving to become children of a God who was devoted to them. And that isn't just something that we see in the earliest church in Jerusalem, but as you may already have guessed, that's something we see at the center of the earliest Methodist movement in England. That's actually something about our tradition, about the history of our church, that often, I guess, doesn't get enough appreciation uh, that people sometimes forget. Most people think the Methodism was all about John Wesley. The great revival preacher who went 
up and down England preaching at revivals to massive crowds that sometimes got as large as three, five, ten thousand people at a time. But the real heart of the Methodist movement and the real place where ordinary people were finding God and finding that personal relationship with Jesus wasn't at massive revivals. It was in small, intimate gatherings. As Wesley traveled up and down England, preaching at all these different revivals and in all these different places, and as people started finding that sense of personal faith, that all of this was real to them, Wesley started setting up little groups called classes. Basically, a class was, it was a group of about 12 to 15 people from very different walks of life, but who all shared the experience of having had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and who all committed to meeting together once a week to deepen their faith. They'd meet in a little house or a little room somewhere behind closed doors. A class, one of these groups, wasn't just open to anyone. You had to first show that you were committed to being there, serious about this. And everything that was shared in the class was kept strictly confidential. And in that safe, protected space, surrounded by people that they knew and knew that they could trust, together they would wrestle with God's word. They would wrestle with difficult subjects. They'd pray together. They'd share what sins they were struggling with or what loss they were going through. They'd encourage one another. They'd serve each other. They'd be there for each other every single week without fail. And by devoting themselves to faith, they strived every week to become devoted children of God. That's the image we get of the earliest Methodist movement. Methodism began as a small group of ordinary people who didn't just want to show up whenever or feel faith sometimes. They were people who were in it for the long haul. They wanted to be devoted to something greater than themselves. They wanted a real relationship with God. They wanted God to be their rock, their shepherd, their potter, their mountain, their shield, their father, their mother, all the time. And by their studies, by their prayers, by their service, and above all, by their commitment and their time, Methodists were people who were out to become devoted children of God because like children with a true mother, they knew that their God was already devoted to them. And I think that's the good news and the lesson that the first church and the earliest Methodist classes have to remind us of, maybe especially on Mother's Day, that in the end, we are not defined by the things that we do occasionally or like for a little while, we are defined by the things that we devote ourselves to over time. Think about it. Have you ever gone to a funeral or a memorial service and heard someone talk about how, well, he volunteered that one time, or how they helped me out when they felt like it? 
No, you go to a funeral service, you hear people think about a loved one, think about a life, and you hear them talk about how she was there for me. They served every week. She called all the time. They were devoted like a mother. Devotion is about time, and it's the things we devote ourselves to that over time ultimately come to define who we are. And there are few things that define and shape us more than when we devote ourselves to that God who is already devoted to us. That's the logic behind almost everything we do as Christians. That's the way we're called to practice our faith. Like the very first believers and the first Methodists, we devote ourselves to studying scripture, to praying, to devotionals, to volunteering, to visiting, to Bible studies, to worship, to all of it, not because we have to, but because the only appropriate response to the kind of love God shows us is love. Whether it's the loved ones in our lives or our God, love begs for love in return, and devotion sparks devotion. As Mother Teresa, a great person to quote on Mother's Day, the day is in her name. As Mother Teresa once said, there is always the danger that we may just do the work for the sake of the work. This is where the respect and the love and the devotion come in, that we do it to God, to Christ, and that's why we try to do it as beautifully as possible. That's, I always thought, a great way to put it. We don't do the work of faith for the sake of the work itself, but because all the parts of our faith, all our different practices, those are the ways we show and grow our devotion to the God who has already given himself, herself to us. However you think about God, whatever different images come to mind, and whatever words and metaphors you use to better understand God, the good news that the prophets who wrote our scriptures, the earliest Christians in Jerusalem, and the first Methodist classes, the good news that they all remind us of is that God is devoted to you like a true mother, like a father, like a parent. There is no mess in your life God does not want to be a part of. No struggle or pain God does not carry with you. No sin God cannot erase. No joy God does not celebrate with you. No part of you that God is not devoted to. There is nothing God our Father would not do for you and no limit to how God our Mother cares for you. Every day, every hour, every minute, our God is devoted to his, her, to God's children, devoted to us. And like any good parent, the good news is that what God desires most is for us to respond to God's devoted love with a little bit of our own. And over time, lean into the miracle that we are God's children. And thanks be to God for it. Amen.
Friends, please pray with me. God, our Father, our Shepherd, our Judge, our Rock, God, our Mother, we thank you for the love that you have shown us, and we praise you for your devotion to us that is without end. Lord, you call us your children, and you commit to staying with us, not just today or for this miracle or this crisis, but you commit to being there for all the days, all the joys, all that might come. God, you love us completely, and you are in it for the long haul. So, Lord, may you give us the strength, the resolve, and the determination to be devoted to you as you are to us. Help us to commit to new disciplines, to study your word, to talk to you in prayer, to break bread and never stop needing you as your children. But God, our Father, God, our Mother, teach us to be your devoted children and give us the peace of knowing that you will always be our devoted parent. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed and that you are a blessing. Go in peace.